0: Welcome to Quick Shots, a short format traditional archery podcast, where we introduce you to some of the world's most influential traditional archers, and occasionally, some random dudes. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Quick Shots. Today we have two very special episodes for you. Sarah Gamash, who in addition to being an exceptional hunter and archer, is wife to Caleb Gamash, U.S. Special Forces Green Beret, currently serving our country in combat zones around the world. And Daniel Liss, US Army retired and an incredible longbow shooter with a ton of experience and archery knowledge. These two episodes of Quick Shots are dedicated to all veterans in the US, the Commonwealth and allies that help and continue to help fight to preserve our freedoms. On this Veterans Day slash Remembrance Day, take time to reach out to a veteran or family of a veteran and just say, hi, how are you doing? You don't have to say thank you for your service just let them know that you're thinking about them. God bless the men and women that served or have served to defend our freedoms. They do it for us, lest we forget. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Quick Shots. I'm your host, Mick Chambers, and we're here today with Longbow Dan. Dan, how you doing? Good, you? Pretty good, man. Thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it, man. It's been a while. I, I, we should have had you on like right away because I get a lot of requests for Longbow stuff, like a lot um and i think that's kind of cool um as you know i i we were talking i i recently got a longbow myself i've had one before but you know it's a, it's a tough product to shoot it's a tough it 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 makes it even harder to shoot but anyway hey um i of course know you um and i got to shoot with you this summer but uh are maybe some people don't know you i find that hard to believe but uh why don't you introduce yourself anyway and give kind of your background your origin story and archery
1: all right, so I started shooting a longbow in 2010 time frame, maybe a little bit sooner than that, 2009. Uh, you know, I hunted with a compound growing up as a kid and I grew up in Illinois, and you know, literally after the first year I killed with my compound, my dad handed me a recurve. And I didn't kill anything for five years. And I it just drove me crazy, right? The simplest mechanics of a longbow or a recurve, I couldn't figure it out. And that was before like that was with dial-up internet so i'm trying to figure out like how to get better and you're like you know like you're never gonna get it (laughs) but um you know so i started shooting i started getting better at it started competing locally and whatever and it just grew the love of it got awesome and early on i started going to asas and ibo's Mm -hmm. when i was in the service and that's you know that's where i started got to meet people like Calvin smock and dwayne martin and those guys and those guys were crushing it and i'm like what are you doing And they had methods, like specific aiming methods, even out to 25 yards. And that's where I started gap shooting and whatnot. And once I started playing around with a lot of things, I started the longbow theory, which is a YouTube channel. And that was in 2016. So that was right about when I was about to get out of the service, or maybe 2015. But right when I was getting out of the service, I started that. And I just want people to get better, you know. Like if you look at the stigma, excuse me, of trad guys. Yeah. We can't hit anything. You know what I mean? Like you can't hit the broad side of a barn. But as you saw at IBO Worlds, absolutely, guys are insanely accurate. Out to 33, that's the max. You know, plus plus or minus yardage. You know, it, it's incredible. Even guys like Tony Tall, with a self bow. Self bow.
0: Self bow. Yeah
1: he literally cut an inch off or an inch off at each end of his bow the night before and went out and sent it and crushed it. You know, it's, it's super cool to see what these guys do. And just the love keeps growing. Right. So I did take a pretty good break from it. I, you know, after I got out of the service, I went and moved to Amman Jordan and did some government work over there Mm -hmm. and I couldn't have my bow. I got to shoot a lot of guns and do a lot of cool things with international teams but it wasn't the same, you know, like when I was in the service shooting, my bow got me away from the guns, got me away from battle drills and the, the chaos of combat basically. Um, and it just, it stuck with me. I love it, man. It's definitely.
0: And you are, it's back, my
1: favorite thing to do.
0: Right. And your, your channel's back up and running and humming uh, now. Right. And um, Yep. yeah. So people should check that out too. I mean, obviously uh, there's some great stuff up there and, longbow stuff but not just longbow stuff but how to aim process and stuff like that arrows and stuff it, it's it's really good so if you haven't checked out uh dan's uh, what was the name of the the youtube channel again? it's just longbow
1: dan now i just made it simple i kept it the same name okay. on all the platforms so okay
0: cool so longbow dan yeah. there on youtube and longbow dan on uh, uh instagram too Yep. <laughs> that's good hey um so uh, there's another reason why we have you on the podcast today is and that is i think you, you brought it up here um your service there to, to the united states um really appreciate that thank you very much you know we have uh november 11th is coming up or you'll be hearing this on november 11th so i just want to thank you for your service um just phenomenal man uh you know the stories that we've you shared with me just the sh- small stories it uh, just really appreciate that man. Thank you for your service and uh, to the country.
1: Well, thank you too. Because yeah. if I remember correctly, you did a little bit of something.
0: Yeah, I you know, I was in the army. I did uh, I did uh, a Canadian army for six years and um, a couple tours, a couple well three tours. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's um, it's that time of year. I get a little sentimental about things. You know, um, you know, I just I just think that we we got to just take care of our veterans and make sure that everyone's, you know, safe and happy. And if you're a veteran listening to this right now, um, you know, you can reach out probably to Dan or myself, anyone, if anyone wants to talk and they're a veteran and they feel like they need to talk, man, uh, my, I'm always open to to chatting and especially if you shoot arrows, (laughs) I won't shut up. Yeah.
1: Always. Yeah. Always. I'm always available for that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. it's amazing. Um, We love all our veterans. Uh, We love our, 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 Men and women serving in the military uh, now too. So, hey, um, uh, enough on that somber note. Uh, I do want to talk to you a little bit about like just your entire process of, of shooting because I've been watching a couple of your videos and stuff like that. You and I got to shoot with you at, at nationals or sorry worlds this year. your lights out, man. You're you're doing a fan. You're doing awesome. I, I don't understand how someone can shoot that good. Like you were saying, that good with a longbow. I mean, what what's your secret sauce? the same what thing you do, you do. <laughs> no. it's the same thing
1: you know uh i think with the longbow what a lot of people don't realize is a, a solid bow arm you know like you, it's especially when you get to those lighter rigs you know like right now i'm shooting the big jim Thunderchild, and it's only 56 inches so it's super short bow which is great for the blind and everything else but for tournaments and competing you know i'm bringing a dull knife to a, a gunfight you know it's yeah um it's just it's just practice right learning if you're going to be a gap shooter learning your gaps if you're going to be instinctive getting very good at instinctive um and a lot of it for me is yardage you know i'm one of the guys that i like relative speed in my setup yeah because yardage once you get past 20 yards 25 yards yardage guessing is a huge game right especially Mm -hmm. if you're a gap shooter if you misjudge by five yards you're shooting under over the animal you know, and uh, my process is, you know, I've watched Tom Clom, listen to Dwayne Martin, and, you know, it's kind of a mix. I don't necessarily do the NTS system. It's kind of a more of a linear draw, yeah. but I do hold a little bit longer and that just helps settle my sight picture. Right. So it, it's kind of hard to just pick one because as the season changes or what I'm wearing, mm-hmm. you know, like if it's super cold outside and I'm wearing a bunch of layers, you know, keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling comes into my head a lot more because I know I'm wearing more layers, mm-hmm. and I'm just prone to collapsing more. So just really depending on the situation, wow, um, which is probably what makes it worse for me in the long run because I'm always, I'm a tinker, you know, like let's, I'm let's, always trying to play with
0: stuff. Time out, just time out there, um, that uh, that was just some veteran shooting, um like mojo right there that you just laid down because this, you know, that for me, like, I'm not, I'm not a veteran hunter. Like you are not even a veteran in the sport, to be honest with you. Uh, But you know, more layers, you know, I I do find, I do find that it's, it's, you know, when I have different clothes on, I I draw the bow or I'm in, if I'm in a a stand, a tree stand, or I'm in a, in a, a a blind, right. Or just, I I use natural blinds. I don't actually go into a blind. I I never have. but, yeah, the, and and I kind of practice for that, Dan, I, honestly. I kind of go, okay, well, I'm going to do a short draw here, and I'm not going to be able to do this. So I'm going to have to let go here. And so I kind of practice, you know, what I think my situation is. That's, a, that's some interesting stuff. So tell us a little bit more about – so you got more clothes on? You think you draw shorter or
1: well, – So when I'm wearing more layers, right, it's generally colder out. And just with being cold and, and the moment and everything – you know a lot of guys tend to pull less than pull more, so oh,
0: wow. and
1: it's just because you feel like that, right? Your clothes are tighter generally, and you feel like you might be at full draw, yeah, but because of those added layers, it's just a feeling it's not it's not real life
0: wow. so
1: by discontinuing like you know using Joel Turner for an example to keep pulling, keep pulling keep pulling, and working through you know my mantra for say, you know that helps me continue with good alignment and good form, you know or you know, and I use a little bit of what everybody says, and I look at practice a lot different than a lot of people do, and I've done a video on it before, but basically, like, I try to have one bow and use it for everything, because the more I can stick with one piece of equipment, the better I should get with it, right? Yeah. And I look at, you know, all of 3D throughout the summer is basically, or in my, we'll start with my backyard. My backyard is testing stuff out, trying new things, getting comfortable with it. And then I test it on the 3D field, right? I test it at 20-yard spot shoots because that's solidifying that my equipment is working because now it's based for score and it's got added pressure. You know, Dwayne Martin said a long time ago, if you can't shoot 10s in your backyard, you're not going to be able to shoot 10s in the competition. Mm-hmm. And I believe that, you know, and just like in the service, before you went into a real house, you know, and did, you know, close quarter combat, Mm-hmm. you did it with rubber dummy weapons or blank firing right and sometimes even with a glass house just ropes on the ground simulating the walls and then you'd go do it dry fire blank fire and then live fire you know and I look at it kind of the same approach so my backyard is my testing and evaluating and getting things kind of organized mm-hmm. and then 3d shooting is solidifying that it works or it doesn't work I need to scrap it and start over right, right. and then even hunting is testing but hunting is like the the end game right my stuff yeah. needs to be legit for hunting because if i miss on a 3d target it sucks shooting a five but i'll get over it you know but if i gut shot a deer and i don't find it that's another story mentally so you know i kind of go off of a basis of like a crawl walk run using my backyard in the 3d season and then hunting as just building blocks to my my practice Absolutely. so i yeah and every arrow is different right i don't if i go out in the backyard or shoot with buddies i don't look at that as practice necessarily unless we're making it competitive because a lot of people go in the backyard and they're like i'm gonna go practice shooting my bow and they shoot a 200 arrows well not every 200 not every one of those arrows is a rehearsed practice arrow right and for every time you put a bad habit behind an arrow
0: yeah you ran a
1: bad habit yeah you're right so
0: so that so on the theme of this show is always the same thing. Get a coach, you know, and I, I don't know if you've had a Super, coach, yeah. but, but coaching, right. You need coaching, whether that is a guy that's been doing it five years longer than you or not. I mean, why waste that time? You know, you're, you're hacking through the jungle. You know, you're supposed to make the path behind you a little bit clearer, you know, each time. So um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And you know, it's uh old martial arts saying is, sweat in the dojo, uh, sweat more in the dojo, bleed less on the battlefield sort of thing, right? So
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And what's awesome about our community is, you know, even at the pro level, you know, like if you look at Dwayne Martin or John Demmer, those guys, Mm -hmm. if you send them a text, or not a text, but if you message them on Facebook, they generally get back to you fairly quickly. You know, like trad isn't so large yet that these guys aren't consumed by... Thousands and thousands of message requests, you know. So, like, especially at this point now, take advantage of all of these guys you can and learn as much as you can. Because eventually, the way I see traditional archery growing, especially you know with the the higher end guys doing it, you know, like Levi Morgan talked about picking up a stick bow if he was allowed to. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. You know,
1: Aaron Snyder. You know, like some of these bigger name guys are doing it, and they're bringing tons of people from the compound world. And who knows? 10 years from now you know it would be awesome if Dwayne Martin was making a full-time living shooting his bow and they were doing large payouts at ASA and IBO like they do for the men's pro elite classes Mm -hmm. you know but at this point it's not so the accessibility to those guys is so much easier so that's my biggest recommendation you know it's like take advantage of those guys you know like they're and it's not taking advantage of it they love teaching you know it's not a it's not a bad thing. They'll tell you anything you want.
0: Yeah, no, you, you just, you just really do. It's true. You can message them. You can walk up to them. I, it was a big shock to me. Cause again, I've not been in this community very long. Um, and then, you know, I went to the worlds in, in Tennessee and, and I took my camera and I just walked up to people and said, Hey, you want to do an interview? And they're like, yeah, sure. I'll do that. I'm like, I was more nervous to do that than any shooting I did while I was there. Although I was nervous shooting. Um, And that, that was another good point that you brought up uh, about being able to be, you know, score tens in your, your, your backyard, but it's a little bit more difficult when you get in that 3d range. I love people who like to talk, like to talk about, yeah, I'm really good. I'm a good archer. I'm a good archer. But then, you know, and they, they show their tens on, on, on Instagram, but they don't, you know, just be honest about it. Right. Be honest about it because then you don't get disappointed or you don't get let down when you go to an actual tournament. And Maybe you don't do that well because of the pressure. Um, pressure is important. It's it's always it's always good to pressure test out all your stuff, all your stuff. as you know pressure turns
1: coal into diamonds. You know it's. I, I think if you want to become a better hunter, you need to compete. If you want to get more accurate, you need to compete. I mean, you felt it at worlds. You said you're kind of new into it, but even at worlds, I, day two, especially when you know your scores from day one, is mind crushing you know it's insane if you let it get to you and that's the same thing when you're in the woods if you let the emotions get to you you're going to fall back to your lowest level of training and if you're not prepared for that you're going to make a bad shot so
0: yeah and um, as you said a bad shot on an animal is crushing it's crushing that's all that you think about for days weeks sometimes um you know I, I've had one instance and again, I'm not very familiar with hunting. Like, so this would be my, this last doe I took was number 10. Um, but I had, I had actually uh, shot, I've never taken a buck. So I hit a buck and uh, we couldn't find it. And I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened when the shot, you know, we didn't have video back then. Or at least I wasn't taking a video back then. I could not find it. It was crushing to me. man. It was, it was not good. You know, put a good shot on an animal, you, you feel, feel it for a while. What so talk talk to me about this bow that you've got fifty six inch
1: yeah, so it's a big jim Yeah, it's it's a two piece it's kind of cool it take, comes apart in the handle, so you'd never know it's a two piece unless I unstrung it and took it apart for you yeah. but uh my whole bow is set up basically, and I'm a tinker, so I literally tried something new today, but it's a big jim Thunderchild, child fifty six inch fifty three at twenty eight I'm pulling fifty five on it and I've got just a Cellway strap-on quiver, six-arrow quiver. I run the six-arrow quiver because it, I get to hold another arrow, right? It makes my bow heavier, yeah. which translates to a little bit steadier hold, in my opinion. But so I run that setup. Today, I threw a bare-weather rest on. You know, I, I shoot these trad vein era. You know, I literally I bought another pack today, but they... I, I want to get them to tune off the shelf, but it's, it's, it's gotta be perfect. Right. And then everyone talks about the weather rest and all these different types of rest. You throw a weather, weather rest on and no kidding that, I mean, I'm getting bullet holes with four flesh out of it, you know, yeah. and it, I mean, I had to do a little bit of knock tune, not knock tuning, but um moving my knock point up and down, but literal bullet holes. I even posted one on Instagram today after about five minutes of tinkering with it. And AeroFlight has just gotten... Weather rust? Yep. Literally probably the oldest, not the oldest, but it's just a stick-on rubber
0: rust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course I know this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a black one. Yeah, that you stick on.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I literally just slapped that on today and just retuned it a little bit. Um, Tomorrow, after work, I'll go find my gaps again and then probably go back out hunting on Sunday. But... um,
0: Now, why won't you shoot... So, you don't want to shoot off the shelf?
1: I do. I do. But it's, if you're not perfect, you know, a longbow inherently is a little bit harder than a recurve, but if you don't shoot that longbow even more perfect, you're going to do, you're going to get contact with them veins, especially if you're running four fletch. You know, I've tinkered around with three fletch and I, so I've got three setups right now. They're all on the platinum pierce shaft. One's got the AAE max stealth veins. One's got, and that's a three fletch max stealth. Yeah. One's got four Fletch trad veins and one's four Fletch feathers um, two inch, three inch feathers. Inch. Yep. So I'm running. So four, three inch veins and four, three inch feathers. So they they look identical. Like if I held them out 10 yards from me, you wouldn't even know which one's which, but um, feathers, I get great flight, you know, but they, it, the feathers lay down a little bit, you know, the veins, they lay down, but not as much as the feathers do. And I slow mo, all my shots when I'm tuning and I can see a little bit of a knock high kick out of it and it drove me crazy it drove me super crazy feathers, and I even post-
0: feathers are feathers the AEs uh, the feathers The fe- or the
1: veins kicked the, veins the trad kicked. veins kicked yeah but I mean I could probably tinker around a little bit more and find a better vein position and whatnot um, but I want a more of a robust system that in the event I do make a bad shot, or not a bad shot, but like my form isn't up to snuff. Yeah. You can take a, a lot of much flack. more forgiving you're
0: gonna, shot. You're gonna take a sorry, I'll stop you for a second. You are gonna take a lot of flack for saying that um, longbows are, are not as forgiving as recurves.
1: Well, I mean, if you think about the longbow, um, okay, so when I compare a longbow and a recurve, I'm comparing longbows and like modern recurves that are cut way past center and all this stuff, lots of more. A lot more tunability and i've shot a very modern longbow setup you know Mm -hmm. uh with i have a dryad ul 19 you know and it's got a huge shelf on it i can do whatever i want with it i can run almost any arrow setup i want out of it but on a wood longbow you know it's how do i want to say it how do i want to compare it so okay so in my opinion the hooks on a recurve help keep a more consistent String alignment behind the arrow shaft than what a longbow provides. For sure, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, of course it does. Does it make sense? Yeah, yeah. You're not worrying about okay. paradox as much. Is that what well?
1: I mean, you're going to get paradox, but you know the hooks make that string come out of your fingers a little bit differently than with just a regular D shape or even a reflex longbow. Right, oh,
0: right, right. Because you
1: got the the performance of the hooks working with you. For sure. And I think it just helps For, with the
0: recurve you know, the
1: string coming out yeah so i think this it just helps with the string coming out the fingers versus on a long boat, if i'm off a little bit that's going directly to the limbs and that's going to that's going to throw different things off especially with how my arrow reacts on my shelf how my my knock travel is going to be you know because if you think about it like carbon arrows are probably the most forgiving thing on the planet and we figure out how to make them the hardest thing in the world with tuning but if you have a clean release you can shoot almost any arrow setup you want. And now when I say that, I, and I've done it, You know, I can take a 340 spine shaft and I can shoot 250 grains up front, yeah. or I can shoot 200 grains up front on the exact same arrow and I can get the exact same bullet hole. You know, it just, a lot of guys don't understand that carbon was designed to recover faster than aluminum, right? And mm-hmm. then aluminum was designed to recover a little bit faster than wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just had a pretty good conversation with Cody yeah. Cody Greenwood yeah. about his new shafts, Trad Lab.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, carbon is designed to recover super fast. So it it takes a lot to really take an arrow out of tune if you've got a good release. If you've got a crappy release and it's not consistent, yeah, you're gonna see different things every single time you release that string. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the same point weight or if it's fifty grams less. Um but generally in the ballpark, you know, I start to see a big notice in changing a carbon arrow with about 30 grains. That's where I can start to see that arrow moving a little bit in paper. And I paper, I do, I do paper tuning on all my stuff before I go out in the backyard and start shooting bear shafts. Um, and now I work at an archery shop. So I've got instant access to a paper tuner and I just shoot my bow all day, but, and fix crossbows. Um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I think a longbow. You know, it's just
0: so you're you're. But to be on, to be fair, a sixty-four inch longbow is going to be more forgiving than what your rig is. No? Oh
1: yeah, 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 most definitely, most definitely. 56, it's going to change 56, the string 56.
0: angle. Fifty six is. Fifty
1: six. Yeah, I could literally take it apart and stick it in my pant leg. Yeah, it's short. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's a short bow, but I like it. You know, and I just ordered another one, but I got to wait a year for it because. He's a year out.
0: Um, Why'd you order two different weights?
1: Nope, same weight. I just want a backup.
0: Yeah. Literally,
1: that's it. Just a backup bow. Two two is
0: one and one is none?
1: Exactly. Um, Yeah, and I never really thought about it a lot. You know, we always buy extra arrows. We always buy all this other stuff. And I started seeing some of these other guys with... I mean, I can't be that guy that has 15 different bows. I can't do it. I've tried it. I've had it. And... I never get good with any of them because I'm always playing with them. But if I can get the same thing or close to the same, I might change the wood on it, you know, go with a different veneer and whatnot, but relative, I mean, it's basically going to be the same thing. It's going to be another 56 inch, 53 pounds at 28, two piece, takedown longbow.
0: There's so. no, there's no one. I mean, and you're shooting competitions with this bow.
1: You yeah, might- I probably shouldn't be, but I did. Easy. It's, it's
0: crazy. That's good because, okay, let's, because my listeners don't – not all of them are going to know, you know, a lot about the competition circuit and stuff like that. But at 53 pounds, that is probably 10 pounds heavier than the the, the people who win the tournaments, right?
1: Yeah. No, I would say so for sure. Like I went with uh, – so I went down there and hung out with Blake Hunter a lot. Yeah. And he was probably one of the only other guys I knew. I think there was another guy named Danny. Um, but there was only a handful of us shooting over 50 pounds.
0: Yeah. 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 I think Lee, I talked to Lee. He was telling me he won it. um, Right. Lee, uh, I forget his last name. Longbow. Uh,
1: Modern longbow or, so I shot in the trad hunter class though.
0: Oh, you shot trad hunter. That's right too.
1: Yeah, I did. I shot trad hunter because I thought it was gonna be heavier weight bows, to be honest with you. You know, when I saw four hundred and fifty grains per pound or, It was 10 grams per pound. I was thinking, man, at least I'm going to get some 45 pound bows here. No, guys are just shooting real lightweight stuff with heavier arrows. So, but
0: point ons were probably like, what was that out to? 20, what was that, 25 max?
1: 25 max. Yeah, my point on was at 36, uh, 25 yards and about 12 inches low. Mm -hmm. But some of these guys were shooting like 20 yard point ons. Yeah. You know, they were mm -hmm. shooting super light lightweight setups with heavier arrows and a full length shaft. Um, but to be fair, there's probably, I mean, I could literally throw broadheads on and go hunting that afternoon if I wanted to, yeah. you know, like that's how my bow is set up. Cause I'm just a, like a one bow or one style type of bow type of guy.
0: Yeah. Uh, I know when you, when you say that, I feel like that's an indictment against me. Because uh, I'm such a scatterbrain,
1: I got so many no, stupid bows. I, I am too. If I've got more than one bow, I'm the same way, and it, it's hard because, not that my bows get jealous, right? They're dead pieces of wood, but it's like I feel like I need to give them all love, and it's like, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to sit
0: today. <laughs> you know, I, I, and I've got, I've got problems. I got problems. I got problems. I got 99 problems, because uh, because I, Lancaster's on the classics on this year. So I've got a bear bow set up for that for eighteen meters. I've got my hunting bow, which is my WF19, um, which I took a nice doe out with uh, a couple nights ago. Um, and then that was my process was through. You know, Dwayne Martin helped me out with my process at the bear bow boot camp, so that was kind of cool. Um, but anyway, so going back to you, um, you are shooting your. So you got one bow. You're doing it all. Um, and then just really quickly, so. Are, you're hunting now? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, probably have
1: the worst luck out of anybody right now. I mean, so I don't know why I picked this year to start college and go full-time right off the bat, but, man, it's a full-time job, and all you guys are in college right now with no kids, like, you're lucky. But if you're married and have kids and a job, it's it's crazy. But So I have that. I work um, COVID, right? Yeah. And then the times I do get out – you know, I can man. I'm that kind of guy. Like, I'm not super loud when I get in and out of my tree stand. But I, so I like stalking, right? So normally, I got this big chunk of I don't know. It's probably like 200 acres total or whatever. And I'll drive around the whole property before I go hunt. And if I see deer out there, I'll park my truck appropriately with the wind, and I'll get out and I'll try to make a quick stalk or something. Oh, cool. But the other day, you know, this was a couple days ago. I got out and I had. A little buck and a doe, probably 150 yards out, 200 yards out. And I'm like, perfect. Wind's in my face. It's super, it was crappy out. It was raining. I mean, it was super loud outside. And I'm like, I got this. And I sneak up within about 50 yards of the two. And then they kind of, I throw a grunt call out because the rut's starting to get near. Mm-hmm. And they look, they don't see a, a decoy or nothing. So they kind of walk in the woods. I'm hoping they're going to circle around and try to get upwind of me or downwind of me and i'm like all right i got this so i kind of move a little bit more forward and i sit and nothing right they're gone they don't try to they don't care that buck and that doe are doing their own thing so i'm like whatever i got a ground blind you know probably another 100 yards out in front of me and i i get to my ground blind and i I don't know if you use scents or not but i've been using this ever calm it's like a deer calming scent yeah and so far I've had it work really well for me. You know, I've been able to have deer downwind of me for a lot longer, I feel, than if I didn't have it. You know, like it's, it's buying me a little bit more time with animals downwind of me. Um, but I bend over, put my bow down, I open up my ground blind, and all of a sudden I hear this stomp behind me, and I've got that little tiny buck I saw mm. seven yards behind me, just staring at my butt. You know, I'm bent over, hand on the ground blind, is not in my hand. I don't even have an arrow knock, you know, Dude. and I'm just, I look I, like, almost look between my legs and I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I'm stuck. I can't do nothing. You know, oh, he's busted you. Well, he didn't, he didn't snore. He didn't do nothing. He ended up just not liking me and walked off, you know? And I was just like, yeah, of course, you know? <laughs> um, and then last night I went out Uh. I've got one buck I've been chasing. A lot of people are asking me, why haven't I killed anything yet? And it's because I, I target certain animals and that's what I want. You know, yes. gun season is getting closer. So I might, uh, how do I want to say it without sounding rude? I might stray from my, uh, man, what is it? What do I want to call it?
0: Your ethics? Your... Not my
1: ethics, but I've got certain things I want, right? You know, like if I, if it's, like if it was a woman, there's certain things I look for. Okay. You know, if I go out, if I go out on the night drinking, they might lower right standards. <laughs> so <laughs> with rifle season coming, you know, I'm married now, I'm happy in 10 years, whatever. But uh, with rifle season coming, my standards might lower a little bit. So, yeah. um, but I went out last night and I saw the buck, the target buck I wanted. And he was down in rural corn and I'm up in a tree and I throw another grunt call looking right at me but again no decoy no nothing so he just kind of walked back in the corn and i make a sneak on this guy and i get i probably half the distance to him and all of a sudden the farmer comes out and you know and so it's a sugar beet field that he literally just plowed that day i mean i was watching him plow when i was up in the tree stand yeah and he's throwing sugar beets in piles, you know. Rifle season's in 10 days. I know what this guy's doing, I'm not stupid, you know. I know he knows that buck's in there too, yeah. And you know, and I'm just like, I'm sitting here now, I'm in a row of corn, I'm in one row of corn out from the field, and I'm just on a knee, got my head down. I can just see this farmer in and out of his UTV, just throwing sugar beets, and he's got this little scrappy dog that barks at everything.
0: Oh, geez,
1: and so. I sit there for about 15 minutes. The deer is gone, you know, and I stand up that farmer left his damn dog out there. And that dog started chasing me like right into the corn, started barking at me. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, why?
0: You bust like, it. So All the time, all that time, you know, you, you, yeah, you're bust. Yeah. It's no good. You know?
1: Yeah. You know, so I got that one buck. I got like, it's the 16th. So nine more days to make something happen. You know, if, if it gets that bad, I'll just start, shooting does um i don't mind shooting I, doe. I don't i i was happy i, I don't like shooting does in in the, during the rut though i don't no, like well, shooting them during
0: the rut i think there's some people i, I don't know i don't I, i'm not i'm not an expert but i do know that if i see a doe and i don't see a buck with that doe and it's a good sized doe i take it i take the shot yeah i
1: mean if i saw grandma walking by you know and i knew she wasn't fertile anymore yeah i'd probably do it too yeah I, and I'm spoiled. I was spoiled growing up. I, I grew up in Illinois. We had our own property
0: yeah. and
1: we had a, a 140 inch minimum, you know, for deer. And I got spoiled from it. And, and I see, i man, I've seen tons of little tiny bucks this year up here in Michigan. And I'm just like, Nope,
0: Nope, Nope. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I let one walk I let a little, little buck walk too. Um, but cause I know that there's a, cause I, I have on camera, I have a, massive massive eight point uh that doesn't sound massive but the 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 oh, they get pretty big the the neck on this guy he's i i i showed him to cody the other day cody thinks he's about seven years old like so
1: because of the neck size or is he just right it out
0: he's just i don't i know. this was this was i i have my camera from like weeks ago so I don't know i don't know what that that causes that but it looks like he's just a massive old dude and he looks old on the camera i don't know how to explain it but you know oklahoma yeah hey kansas you're in oklahoma
1: kansas oh so you got farm properties all over you i mean it's it's the same kind of deer i mean it's just big you know agricultural deer you know like they they get big you know like i used to hunt in the south and my German Shepherd's as big as some of the, the deer down there, you know. <laughs> but it's a whole different ballgame. It depends where you're at. It's harder to hunt those deer because they're in the swamp. But, mm-hmm. um, it, yeah, everywhere you go, it's different. Even in the south or, like, in North Carolina where I stationed at, the antlers grew, like, straight up. It was super cool. Like, you know, where in the Midwest, it's more of a basket.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it just depends where you're at. So I think it's super cool to see the different subspecies, with, even within the whitetail deer.
0: Yeah. Do you hunt anything else other than whitetail?
1: Uh, I mean, I've killed, you know, I was stationed up in Alaska. I got a caribou and a black bear while I was there, and got some pigs when I was in down south. But uh, next year, and you should come, Cody, you need to listen to this, but Cody was talking about doing another bison hunt. Yeah. And, but the rule is you got to bring your longbow, and we got to shoot wood arrows.
0: Yeah, I'm in. Dude, I'm so in. Like I've got this new bow from um from Keegan. Um you know, out of he's out of Pennsylvania. Uh and it's a beauty, man. It shoots it's a shooter. It's, I love it. Uh, it's actually fixing my form um, and making me a better archer. And I got some um uh, uh arrows from a buddy of mine. Uh, some wood arrows. He he made me some nice ones, tuned it to my bow and yeah, it shoots great with wood arrows. I love it. It just it's a fun bow to pick up. Again, I'm, I'm one of these guys that tinkers around with a bunch of different bows. And that's why I'm not good at anything. <laughs> so, but I love it now. i really loving it. It's fun.
1: Yeah, I, I'm excited to see, like, Cody with his hardwoods that he's doing. Is He's doing them up front. Um, yeah. Because the one thing I hate about wood arrows is keeping them straight. You know, like, especially yeah. if they're not done properly. Yeah. You know, you'll sit there and just beat them with, with a roller for a while to keep them straight you know but i'm excited to see that new footing and see what it does to just maintain the overall shape of the shaft um because i wouldn't mind shooting wood again you know the first deer i ever killed was with you know i don't shoot that heavy of an arrow anymore but the first arrow I, or white tail i took was with a 65 pound longbow 748 grain laminated birch shaft <laughs> arrow and it had a single bevel two blade that was literally cut out of a circular saw blade and then sharpened and honed and everything yeah wood knocks and everything that's but you know i shot that deer so i didn't recover this deer my uncle ended up shooting him a week later but i hit that deer right in the shoulder like lit like it sounded like my dad even came over like what was that Mm -hmm. it sounded like a shotgun going off and it was just so loud but i what i did was i popped one long And the arrow, the wooden shaft broke right into the shoulder. So I only got about three inches of penetration. Mm -hmm. And that kind of steered me away from those heavy arrows. And I mean, that could have been just me as a new hunter, you know, but going that heavy, it definitely helps. But man, when a whitetail clinches, like that shoulder turns into like concrete, you know, it doesn't really matter what you're shooting, you're going to lose a lot of penetration. And, you know, that right there kind of set me on my path of, you know finding a happy balance between light and heavy something where if i do misjudge my yardage it's picked up because of the couple of feet per second that are there and that's what really kind of made me work on like getting better at gap shooting and understanding deer behavior because a lot of people shoot at deer that they shouldn't be shooting at just because of the way the deer is right if you shoot at a deer that's super spooky yeah you know or or on high alert he's going to duck your arrow or he's going to he's going to clench up and drop back and you know get ready to launch forward and you're going to miss and it's just I mean it's a learning thing right it's super fun and I, that's what I love about it and I'm still learning to this day I got busted you know the other day and yeah it, it's it's just fun you know I, I love it
0: yeah and that's what we do it for but it's interesting too that you're you're not just um, you know you're not just a hunter although that again you said at the very beginning it's like hey that's what we do this for um, but you're you're competitive too. You're very competitive. So you're going to the tournaments, you're putting in the hours, you're putting in the reps, you're in your backyard, you know, slamming it all the time. So, um, and you, and you, you know what you're talking about. So that's, that's pretty cool too. I mean, that's interesting that, you know, some people just, I keep hearing it all the time. It's like, there's, Oh, I know guys that are hunters that are, you know, 10 times better than the guys that show up at tournaments. Um, Yeah, maybe. Um,
1: But they're not better shooters.
0: But yeah, we don't. If they were
1: a better shooter, it would probably make them a better hunter too. You know, like yeah, shooting is half the equation. (laughs) You got to be able to shoot to hit what you want. Um, some of it's a pride thing, some of it's an ego thing, you know, and some of it's just a loner thing, right? People don't want to be around other people. So
0: I actually, I wasn't sorry. That wasn't an indictment. I, I honestly, I honestly think you know we don't see him. I'm just saying we don't see him at tournaments. Uh, so we no, we don't know. Right. And even if you're successful yeah. in the field, I'll tell you right now. In my, you know, Cody hates me for will hate me, but killing a whitetail deer is kind of easy. Um, it's like, you know, but but it's recovering. And, 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 and you know, it, they're usually not that far. You can get pretty close to a whitetail, you know, to shoot it if you if you want to. Um, and so in Kansas, I should say in Kansas, I should caveat that. So but if you hit them, they usually die uh, in my experience. I've only I have my limited experience I've had. I've never not recovered. I've only had that one deer that I didn't recover. Um, I, I did put good shots on almost every single one of them though. And I don't experience, I don't know what it is, Dan. I don't experience target panic the way I do on a 3d course when I'm out in the field shooting. Right. So I've been like well,
1: self-imposed, right? I mean, when you're standing around all these people, you feel like you have to make a good shot. So it's all self-imposed. And if you look at guys like, Dwayne Martin and those kind of guys that are at that level, they just don't care. Yeah. yeah. You know, like they're there shooting their bow. They just don't care anymore. Where guys like you and I still care the world about it. You know, like I I get so into it, I count score, right? I keep score in my head throughout the entire course. And that that's a really bad problem I have. And my good good Santo, you know, he told me he tells me to stop and it's hard, but it's it's just what I do because I, I know a number in my head of what I'm capable of doing. Yeah. And if I start falling be- below that number, I'm like, all right, now I got to start shooting 11s, you yeah. know, or I got to start shooting 12s if it's ASA. Yeah. Um, but you know that's tough. I mean, competing is tough. I think competing, competing and hunting are two different things. But if you hunt, it's not going to make you better at competing. If you compete, it's going to make you a better hunter. Yeah. You know, I- I-
0: I agree with that. And, but I, I do, I do respect people's opinions that they don't like the, you know, they don't like competition or they don't want to be in competition or they, they can't do competition and hunt. Those are, you know, there's, there's those arguments. Right. So I I think anyway, at least me, at least I advocate all the time. It doesn't matter if you hunt or don't hunt tournament or no tournament in your backyard or not you're a very competitive person. You love to go and do those things. I just, I just want to make the sport grow. Right. I just want people in it. Yeah, Same here. Yeah. yeah you do too. Yeah, of course you do. It's I mean, not intimidating.
1: Though. And that's the thing. I mean, it's only intimidating if you make it, you know, it, and start local. You know what I mean? And work your way up. Don't, the first competition you go to should not be an IBO trad world. <laughs> go compete with other guys that are shooting fives and eights. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, Make yourself feel a little bit better. Start to get a little bit better and then start shooting the tens and eights. You know, and then, you know, you get to the level like Paul Helms or those guys where they hardly miss the ten ring. And, you know, <laughs> then get there. It's, it's stepping stones. You know, it's it's definitely not instant gratification in this community. You're not going to get it. Um, it's a lot of time and trial and error.
0: So, I, I definitely but, yeah. if we went to this trout or the the uh, Trout Worlds as my very first archery tournament. Uh, <laughs> that was like the stupidest thing ever. But you know what? At the same time, I got to meet a lot of great people. Uh, we met, we shot. Um, you know, it was great. how much
1: did you learn though? You like, know what so I mean? Much.
0: Like, so much. Seriously, I was like all over the place. I, I learned that. Um, yeah, I learned a ton. I learned a ton while I was there. Um, and I learned to not be as nervous the next time
1: so that's that's one side of competing a lot right if you compete with people Mm -hmm. the more you make friends with them yeah it's not really competing anymore you're just bs and shooting with your friends exactly so i do think that uh if you look at anything right um even if we take guns into it into occasion you know what what drives the gun industry it's not military it's competitive shooting You know, military takes things from competitive shooting, incorporates it into their training, which incorporates it into real world stuff. The same thing in trad, you know, like the guys that compete, you know, I'll I'll probably say 70% of the guys that compete shoot their bow more than the guys that just hunt, you know, because they're always trying, they're testing, they're evaluating, they're wanting to get better. You know, and like I was talking about earlier with the way that I look at things, 3d just solidifies that my hunting setup is good for the woods like that's all i do is i beat the snot out of my hunting equipment all summer yeah by shooting hundreds and hundreds of arrows so i know that when the season comes around i don't have to do nothing i just could show up mm. you know excuse me
0: and that's, that, and that's that's tough. what i use it for yeah that's tough so how do you get you might have already answered this then how do you get competition ready versus you know hunting ready i don't it's all one thing to me It's all one thing right it's all one thing to me
1: yeah it's it i mean competition's shooting my bow you know like here in michigan i do i do very good in michigan as far as competing mm-hmm. and but when you show up to something like ibo trad worlds you know my first and second places in michigan are like my 16th through 20th places at ibo trad worlds but it's because I'm continuing to put myself out there and just applying pressure and applying pressure. And eventually your form's going to turn into a diamond or you're just going to get better. Right. You're just going to mm. continue to see, Hey, this is working under high stress environments. I black out. I don't know what I did, you know, but you will never learn that unless you go to it. Just like when you shoot a deer some, some people are like, I don't know what happened. I'll be honest. I shot my bear at five yards when I was in Alaska. I didn't hit full draw. I didn't do nothing right, you know. It was just <laughs> so damn right. close. <laughs> it was nothing. just so close. It just <laughs> happened, you know. Like
0: yeah.
1: I wasn't expecting the bear to come from that way. It snuck up behind me, and I was just like, "Oh," you know. Um, but because of re- repetitive shooting and just, you know, I hate to call it autopilot, but that's what happened. It went autopilot. We go blackout mode, and you don't remember. But if you continue to put yourself in high pressure situations, when that opportunity does come, you get that heart. Pounding in your chest, Mm -hmm. you know all that stuff. You you can kind of slow it down, you know. Like you can take real life and slow it down and fall back on your training. But if you you don't ever train at that level, you're never going to know. You know, I got some friends, you know, in a a unit that people don't talk about, and they say faster than real life. You know, and the way that the way that they look at that is, you need to be able to move faster than real life if you want to live. So shoot fast, move fast. But if you think about it in the stick bow world, you know, you want to be able to know your stuff so well that when that moment happens, you can kind of slow it down and continue to make that. So it's the opposite of what that is. And I, I take that stuff to heart because I think that's what makes a good archer great. And that that's what makes a great archer, the best archer, you know, like yeah. those guys are all in the moment. That's the one thing that separates the pros and even me is they're, their ability to stay in the moment, you know, in their shot process throughout right. that whole time. Right. Where guys like me and you are like, oh my God, it's
0: done. Yes. We're like, and did I hit full draw? <laughs> like, I, I think so. You know, and I, the I, camera I don't funny lie. Funny if you you film you me, I find it funny that you're comparing me. And so, anyone that's listening, we're not the same. Dan, Dan is so much superior. He's so, so much better. Um, I do, I do, when I get to about here and I go, okay. Um, i'm on a 3d target i know as soon as i start pulling this there's no turning back and i i'm like you know so just do it so and then that's kind of why i screw up but anyway dan is is a fantastic archer um and hunter uh hey so you've again you're answering everything i'm getting i want to i want to ask you but pull one of those things out and and for a, a, a beginner you know sort of my group people who listen to this channel um the beginners or people trying to get into trad archery. Do you have like one piece of uh, magic advice for them?
1: Yeah. Don't overthink it.
0: Okay. For real. Yeah. So
1: there, and you know, like, cause if you get, if you go down a rabbit hole with a stick bow, it doesn't matter if it's recurve longbow, ILF, barebow, bow, whatever. It's going to be super overwhelming, and you're going to think about the wrong things. You're going to think about arrow weight and, and tuning and all that stuff. Man, pick up the bow and start shooting. You're going to, and then after you start shooting, get a coach. Right? Don't shoot enough to where you're creating bad habits, but have fun with it. Figure it out a little bit, you know, and then get yourself a coach, and then start diving into that stuff. Because if you can't hit, you know, a stop sign or a paper plate at twenty yards, you're not going to be able to tune it, anyways. You know, because you can't I mean you used to qualify with your rifle. You can't zero a rifle if you're shooting here, here, and here. You gotta be able to group, right? Yeah. So, you know, like take it, yeah, don't overthink it because there's so much stuff on the internet, I think, that it people listen more than they do. You know, like I love podcasts. I use podcasts for long drives or going to work or going out hunting, stuff like that. But if I listen to something and I like it, then I go apply it, right? Mm-hmm. I try to figure it out for for me, because what might work for you might not work for me, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't do is they don't put the time behind the bow. You gotta, and that's that's what's so frustrating to most people is because they're like, why can't I figure this out? It's because you never figured it out in the first place, you know. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. starting to add all this more knowledge on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you don't know where you're at. So.
0: So I like that point that you made, Um, start shooting a bow before you get a coach, because I think you can save time and money. Like you don't want to be going to a coach and and going, where do I put my fingers? What am I, you know, like you you probably want to take like a basic course with a bunch of different people if you can in your area. But then. Yeah do that practice for a while then get a real coach and then start working on coach and i know we keep saying get a coach get a coach get a coach but there's other ways to get or a, a mentor
1: coach. or a mentor a, mentor. a friend that's you know that's, i that's mean great. our community is so close close-knit yeah. in my opinion it's great right you can literally reach out to anybody and some people will give you good information and some will give you bad information you know and that's where but again you won't know if it's good or bad until you try it so yeah Mm. so so good advice you know get a bow don't break the bank with it you know shoot for maybe a month or two figure out the basics right this is where my fingers go my bow hand stuff like that there's plenty of videos out there about just basic fundamentals of archery form and then if you want to watch something later like the nts or tom klum or rod jenkins then i recommend doing that i definitely recommend doing that within a year of picking up a stick bow if not sooner, if you can afford it and you've got time for it, definitely jump into it. Yeah. But I think your money is going to be better spent on uh, getting into it first, and then doing that. You know, and it's it's only because one you're not wasting the instructor's time, but you're kind of you can get a lot of that information for free versus paying somebody fifty bucks an hour to do it, right? Yeah. Um,
0: and yeah, that's join where i think club. the most yeah.
1: fun is yeah
0: yeah join a club if there's a club in your area and, and a club a league, a league yeah
1: exactly get into that kind of stuff surround yourself with like-minded people and that's where you're gonna you're gonna soar you know it's it's incredible what you can learn from the guy next to like the street down the road from you that you didn't even know existed you know yeah. but you meet him at a club mm-hmm. now you've got a best friend and you're like this is awesome yeah. you know um you, you i think too. a lot of new guys overthink it a lot of new people especially because there's so much information out there e right the whole foc craze yes tuning you know like node tuning what's node tuning it's where yeah, two p- points of your error right you know like there's so much stuff out there that people are just like "Man, i got the end of this to be simple won't well, make it simple you know like get a bow start shooting get a coach you know um that's, that's what I would really.
0: The other thing too, if you need to get a bow, there's a couple of different places to do that. So um, Dan alluded to the fact, don't spend a lot of money. And meaning there's a great aftermarket. Um, there's great aftermarket uh, places to, to go and you can go online into these forums where they have, they sell used bows. Um, and you can ask questions. Hey man, what was a good bow? Is this a good bow? Ask the guy you're buying it from. You know, they they usually are not going to bullshit you. I, I find I've bought used bows. Samic Sage, Samick Sage, yeah,
1: Samick Sage. So Samick Sage. cheap, but it's built tough yeah. and it works. You know what I mean? You can, I hate to say it, but I bet if you put a Samick Sage in one of these top level guys in the bare bow class, you'd probably walk circles around me with it. You know what I mean? It, it's 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 a bow that's good enough to learn how to shoot a bow with. You know, and
0: uh-huh. you're also
1: not diving six, seven, eight hundred, twelve hundred dollars into. uh a bow but to your point with the forums and all that stuff online i mean if you've got the money you can get a pretty decent bow for you know a few hundred dollars
0: for sure yeah, yeah a really good one yeah. yeah 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 uh just a just quick note um quick shots is not spar- sponsored by Samic. um and <laughs> <laughs> with this it's no it's a, a great, great bow, bow though. And, I mean, honestly, we love them we love yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a good bow just, it, it's, it's a good bow good shooter and, and I, you can
1: upgrade the limbs you know like that's, that's another right. thing a lot of guys want to grab a heavier bow like i made the mistake i'm sure a lot of other people made the mistake and you know 10 12 years later i still have some of those mistakes built in me what you, just because,
0: so what would you what would you recommend as a starting weight
1: i mean that's going to differ if you look at most of the competitive guys that they can draw and hold back relatively smooth you're looking at like 42 pounds 38 42 pounds um and i would say that's a pretty good starting weight you know uh if you're younger or you can't pull that much weight you know 25 pounds 30 pounds you know as long as the arrow sticks in the target you're going to be fine and that target can be a bale of hay you know so as long as your arrow makes it to the target um i've got a bow at work that's literally just a stick with a string bent on it so it's a long bow but i think it's like three pounds four pounds. I sit there all day with it when nobody's in the shop and I just work on form. But uh, there's lots of things you can do. You know, uh, I did a video on this, like when I first started, you can do what's called uh, a string bow. And I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it's basically parachute cord. Mm -hmm. And um, you tie a loop in it, it goes around your hand and you tie a knot on the string. And you have the long running end, basically another big loop. goes to your fingers so basically what happens is you put your finger on the string yeah and you hold here and you pull it back so you can feel that you've got the knot here in your hand so you can kind of feel that little bit of back tension because you're pushing and pulling and you can work your release yeah you know that's parachute cord that's like three bucks you know there's lots of things you can do um, to work form but the sanic sage if you want to shoot arrows you know the samic Sage is a great starting point. You know, and anyone who says different, I mean, it's
0: yeah. I I will say though, I will say I did buy my wife a uh, twenty-five pound Galaxy, which is sort of the. I think it's a new brand. I don't think I don't think they call it samic Sage. Is I mean, that Lancaster's, brand yeah,
1: Lancaster's? Or is that?
0: I think it. I don't. I don't know, but it's it, you get it out of Lancaster and. I always like to give a shout out to Lancaster Archery because they, they actually help all of a they lot. They do
1: a lot, yeah. They
0: do a lot, and you can call them up, and they will talk you through buying a bow if you want to get a new bow. And, and quite honestly, the Galaxy, I could have got used for my wife, but I got her this Galaxy bow. Um, I think all in with arrows and stuff like that, I you know, it was 150 bucks. But I mean, I didn't, think that, was, I didn't think that was terrible. And I, No, it's
1: know, not. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: 25 uh pound so the the arrows i got are super super thin right um that she shoots out of that bow and they're they're i don't know 800 spine or something like that i don't know um but they they work really good and and she hits my 3d uh range out in the backyard and every all her arrows stick so you know it's it's get whatever you can 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 comfortably pull back but if you're you're an average you know teenage male and you know 38 to 35 to or 36 to 40 pounds would probably be good. Um, yeah, know, it's you know.
1: all what's comfortable, right? And then so you have to join a
0: special Army Special Forces to get to 55 pounds like this dude here. So um, I
1: wasn't Special Forces. Okay, sorry. I was just a paratrooper. Yep, No, nope, I was.
0: Okay, well, in Canadian was, Army, if you're a paratrooper, you're Special Forces, man. We don't I, have, wasn't.
1: Okay. I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, so. I mean, after I got out of the service, I did some contracts where that's where I worked with. I worked with nothing but SF teams, you know. I mean, my whole team was basically SF guys, and we taught international special operations teams. But I personally was the low man. I mean, not the low man, but I was the, the least qualified. We'll say that um, as far as like accolades go, you know, in schools. So
0: um, It's still pretty awesome. It's still pretty awesome. I dug it. It was fun.
1: I outlasted a lot of them, so if that says anything. But it was it was a good two-year run.
0: Hey, man, thanks again for your service. Um, we really appreciate you. And thanks for being on the show, man.
1: Yeah, I kind of go off the wall sometimes. So no rants. I apologize. Uh, it's right where,
0: where can we find you again? Give us one more time where we're going to find you. Just, just
1: Longbow Dan. You can Google it. Um, I'll pop up on YouTube or Instagram, Facebook. I'm a lot more active on Instagram. It just feels like it's a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, YouTube, I put out a video. I put out a couple, you know, a month. I probably should do more, but I like quality information over just putting stuff out. So that's what kind of keeps me from doing it. A um, couple of new things in the works, but we'll see how it goes from there.
0: It's perfect, brother. And uh, thanks very much for everyone sticking around with us. Um, stay safe. Um, thank a veteran. You know, if you are, if you're listening to this on uh, November 11th, you know, you don't have to go tell a veteran, you know, thank you for your service. You they don't they don't that's not necessary but if you do know them and you do know a veteran or you do know someone in active military on november 11th why don't you just give them a text or call and just say hi to say hi how are you doing um that's all it takes man uh just to show the respect that for our military our service members uh in canada u.s all of the allied uh, nations so um really appreciate you guys don't forget your veterans on november 11th uh, take care